0: Welcome to PT Shop Talk, where two guys talk about therapy, sports, music, and everything in between. Remember, this podcast represents the opinions of the host and their guests to the show. Content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only, and because each person is a unique snowflake, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions, views, and opinions expressed in this podcast are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. We make every effort to ensure that the information we share is accurate, and we welcome any comments, suggestions, or corrections of error. This podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or basis of expert witness testimony. Now, here's your hosts, Nick Doling and Casey Hansen. Welcome, everybody, to episode three of PT Shop Talk. I'm Casey Hansen, and with me today is Nick Doling. How's it going, Nick? Pretty good. Pretty good. Another Tuesday in paradise. Yeah, that's what I always say. Did you happen to stay up late and watch the football game last night? Uh, no. And
1: <laughs> uh now that you mentioned it, I forgot to even look and see who won. So oh wow,
0: I could break the news to I, you, huh?
1: Did Alabama hold on and win?
0: They did not.
1: Oh, okay. Good Georgia. for the Bulldogs
0: yeah you know they <clears throat> definitely came alive in the second half there. Um, the score is maybe not reflective. I, I don't know what the final happened to be 30 something to 19 but yeah um, Bama threw a pick six there at the end which kind of skewed that score a little bit but oh, okay. <clears throat> yeah it's uh, yeah good for Georgia. I mean Bama looked good, but their top receiver went down in that game. Knee injury looked like. So they were, I thought, their top two wide receivers. I think that just kind of stalled their offense. So, sure. Yeah.
1: Bigger news there was a different championship game this weekend that uh,
0: yeah. you were
1: in attendance for.
0: I was, was. Yeah.
1: That, what was that FCS championship game like down at Frisco?
0: It was good. You know, this was uh number nine, right? So they were. Relatively successful. This is my eighth year going down there, so in some ways it was kind of like this uh introspective slash retrospective view of the last 11 years. <clears throat> you know, where I was <laughs> when I went to the first one to where I am now. Quite a quite a bit different. Um, <clears throat> a lot of things have changed. Man, when we first went down there, uh Frisco wasn't a whole lot there as far as businesses went. I mean it was kind of on the outskirts, uh Dallas. Plano was where we spent most of the time. That had filled in a little more. Um, we spent a lot of time kind of in the downtown Plano area. They call it the legacy shops. There's a lot of places to drink and eat and shop. And that was kind of a byproduct of that first year. NDSU was down there. The Pepper Alley was down there. So that's just where we knew, you know.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and then we went down there this year and, you know, a lot of the places we used to go to were closed. COVID hit them pretty hard um oh so it's a bummer yeah it's it's, but there's still a ton of and people some of the old haunts like scruffy duffy's still rocking and rolling down there um all your sports bars that people all go to down there are all still open but some of the smaller places we used to go hang out um like the ginger man used to have all these beers on tap it was kind of a cool little bar they were closed some of the barbecue places we used to go to were all closed i mean there's still Plenty of barbecue in Texas, but yeah.
1: I've only made it down there one time. That was three years ago when they beat East for Washington. Um but you're right, great experience. I mean, and Frisco itself, being on the outskirts of Dallas, just I thought it was a very beautiful city, uh, very well maintained from what what we were able to see of it. Um, you know, and you can't really beat it when you're talking about that first weekend, the first budget weekend in January, leaving either Minnesota, South Dakota, or North Dakota. And driving down to some much warmer weather, you know, predictably.
0: Yeah, we left in a blizzard. I mean, there was no travel advised when we left. I think it was sixteen below
1: God, Visibility just,
0: was probably a quarter of a mile for until we got to Watertown and started to loosen up a little bit, but
1: you're just a renegade. You're like <laughs> yeah,
0: nothing's gonna hold you back. Follow the rules. <laughs> Uh, We actually waited like two hours later than we wanted to get going just because of the weather. But then we got to Topeka. We used to make that 16-hour drive in one shot, but we're older now. So we stopped in Topeka. Of course, Mm the weather advisory snowed overnight. Next morning was pretty miserable. The highway or interstate was down to one lane because the other one was full of snow. So we just couldn't get away from it. But. Uh, the weather was good once we got to Texas, 40. Uh, even warmed up into about 55, I think, on Friday. So it was good weather. Mm-hmm. Um, the yeah. game itself, it was pretty rainy. Yeah, that, it looked like that, yeah. Which is yeah, if... not a good combination on the field they play on down there. Um,
1: the... <sighs> that was brutal, dude. The brutal watch. Guys yeah. just wipe it out everywhere.
0: Well, and they play on a soccer field, which is – I don't know. I've never played soccer, but my understanding is they, they keep it a little shorter than your traditional football field. It's meant to take the water that way. Um, mm-hmm. the balls roll well on it. You know, they don't want they don't want the balls to stop. You know, when you're yeah. kicking it, you don't want the field to affect how the ball rolls around. So I, I guess that's kind of how it's designed to be when it's wet, but it's not great for football. No,
1: American football. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Just new a ball. Do- dominant effort by the bison. Um man, I don't I don't Montana State lost their quarterback early on. Or, you know, this new freshman who's yeah. very talented, very athletic. But you know, at the same time, I don't see him doing much to stop the bison from rushing for 380 yards on the ground.
0: Yeah, right. He doesn't play defense. Um Their backup quarterback, definitely a capable guy. He was the quarterback when NDSU played him in 19 in the playoffs, so he's got experience, knows how the Bison play. Uh, I suppose Montana State scores another touchdown or two if that other kid's in there. Changes the game a little bit, but you're right. It doesn't (laughs) stop. NDSU's offense imposed its will. Uh, Could have been a lot higher score. NDSU really just... Mm-hmm. Ran out clock in the second half. I mean, you go yeah. up four four scores by halftime. It's that's tough to come back from. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah,
1: yes, it is. I thought a great performance, and uh, they just keep rolling. Just keep adding to the dynasty.
0: Yeah, it was a I would say a well called game by Tyler Roll. I think uh, the offensive coordinator gets a lot of flack for the Bison just it's a very vanilla offense and when they do go off script from typical buys and stuff it's usually super weird plays but i felt like he called a almost perfect offensive game i mean it's third down conversions yeah. were super high they yeah. they put their line in positions to be successful they gave their running backs huge lanes um it was just a really well we ran an offensive game and then the. Can't say enough about the defense. I mean, they were everywhere.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> it seemed like the few, the few passes that he called, you know, um, you know, he sprinkled in some deeper threats too, here and there. And the, and and that one in the third quarter really just nailed the coffin shut, you know, completely um, pretty good game, pretty good game everywhere.
0: Yeah. The, I suppose we, go ahead. Fans were phenomenal. It was loud on both sides of the ball. I, of the eight years I've went, Montana State probably, probably had the most fans of any team down there, um, including mm-hmm. Sam Houston, which that's not that far <laughs> of a drive for them. So they were loud. I, again, give credit to the fans, too, because, you know, that game was uh, pretty much over partway through the third. Um, they cheered, man. They were cheering right to the very end. When the, you know, whistle blew the fans, you know, they cheered for the Bobcats, good season, you know, we're proud of you kind of deal, which, you know, it's not easy to do when you drive all that way and uh, Mm -hmm. it just doesn't pan out. So kudos to the fans. They were great. Uh, My interaction with them Thursday, Friday was awesome. Everywhere we went, they were proud of their team, confident in their team, but they weren't cocky. Um, So that was, was cool. They're a good, good fan base. I hope they stay up on top. Yeah, it's good to hear, man.
1: Well, should we <clears> – <throat> suppose we could talk briefly. There's one other football-based topic. Minnesota Vikings clean a house from the top yesterday, officially. Um, General Manager Rick Spielman Head Coach Mike Zimmer both are relieved of duties and fired. What's your take on that?
0: Uh, it's time. I, I guess um, there's going to be a lot of good coaches out there. I, I think that it's time to maybe move on from a defensive-minded coach, see what mm-hmm. you can get out of that offense. I, I think they've been doing well, but I think they have the ability to be an elite offense, especially with what you pay them. So uh, I, I think that's you, – you go young, I think. I guess this, there's been plenty of proven young coaches out there. I don't know if you need some great wizened mind to come in and change the culture at all. I think you just need to find somebody who can run the team a little better. Yeah. And then, you know, I I think they need to draft better. So. You do? Spielman's out there.
1: I think his draft, we were talking about this at work last week, and I think his draft has been a mixed bag. I I I think people really, you know, they like to hang on some of the tougher ones that he made. Our guys that maybe didn't necessarily pan out as successfully. And, uh, actually my buddy made a mistake. He said, Christian Ponder, but when looking back, that was the season before Rick became the GM. So, um, not a big miss that needs to be tacked onto him. And you got to give him credit. I mean, he took Jefferson, you know, um, then look at how, how well he's flourishing, you know, they reached on, they didn't reach, but they, they mined some gold in Stephon Diggs and Demille Hunter, um, over the years, you know, the elevation of, um, Adam Thielen so I think where, where it was when those guys really took it over you know especially Zimmer picking up the reins after uh, that Leslie Frazier period who was such a nice guy but just obviously just literally really lost head coach level um listening to the press conference yesterday they I think you're right the expectations are much higher and uh, you know they, they didn't have that that terrible black eye season of like you know, three and 13, Mm -hmm. I guess now it would be three and 14, you know, where you you really have no other You have no other choice, but to clean house Um, mediocrity though. I I liked hearing from Mark Wilf that mediocrity is not what they're striving for, that they, they have expectations to contend every year. And, and maybe the final point you're talking about the great offensive mind. And I, I agree that we need to go in that direction and maybe the optimistic viewpoint is when you, look around the league. I didn't realize this, but like, um, when you look at some of the coaches that are in the, uh, playoffs right now, like before in green Bay, he was under McVay, uh, right. With the Rams. And both of those guys were actually uh, part of, I believe it was Jay Gruden's team in, uh, Washington, Washington and they were the Redskins. And then so was, uh, so was Kyle Shanahan. Now, obviously his dad, you know, he came up under his dad, but, um, I think, you know, you look at that and you're like, wow, Washington never had an ultra-successful season uh, under that regime, but yet they were able to find these guys who consistently make the playoffs, win double-digit games every season. And maybe that guy's out there for us too.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, there is a lot of good young coaches. Like I said, the, the Shanahan-McVay disciples are out there now. You know, you're starting to see that uh, these young coaches yeah. that just understand the game. I, I think they are mm-hmm. they understand where the game's going. It's not the same game it was 10, 15 years ago. So,
1: Yeah, you're exactly right. I think that ultimately sealed Zimmer's doom. I mean, the, the season itself did, I mean, with the wins and losses, but the philosophy, the stubbornness, I, I think those were the things that they're looking to get away from.
0: Yeah, uh, it'll be a good thing. I, I think that, uh, yeah, it, it, they need a fresh fresh start a little bit. Not a rebuild, not a tear down, just get a different perspective on that team in there. It's a good team. It really is. Yeah.
1: yeah. They, one thing that maybe the final point to make before we move on to our uh, therapy topic is, you know, Wilf, Wilf said in his conference yesterday that you know, he expects us to be able to be competitive at a high level next year already, with the components that they have on the field. Um, he said that's where it's going to be on them. He put the accountability on himself and their team to uh, to hire the right personnel, to make those decisions and and uh, make the Vikings a you know strong competitive football team in twenty twenty two. So, not not a total rebuild, he said.
0: <laughs> no, it shouldn't be. So yeah, let's move on for the topic of the day. Prep getting into PT school feels like a lifetime ago now. Yeah. Kind of fun topic.
1: We were going back developing some of these ideas and what people might be interested in, um, who, who may or may not even care to listen to the podcast, who knows? Um, but we thought, you know, maybe, maybe there's some undergrad students out there that could benefit from hearing this that'd be interested in hearing it. Um, and yeah, so looking back, you know, what did it take to get into therapy school? What was your approach, uh, particularly during the undergraduate period of time? Um, do you want me to, you want me to kick it off or do you want to go this time, Keith?
0: You can start. Yours is probably, again, more motivating <laughs> than mine. So i <laughs> start off on a high note.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I suppose I didn't put anything about the, the undergrad actual curriculum, but I, I mentioned before that I, I graduated from Minnesota state Moorhead with a bachelor's degree. So that was my, my undergrad um, requirement to um, qualify for physical therapy school. And uh, when I put in here the the GRE exam and uh, which I believe is still required to get into therapy school. Am I correct there? Do you, you know,
0: I believe so. Um, uh... I suppose maybe some schools are still different, but they do the central admin stuff now. So um, probably one of those things everybody takes.
1: I remember my senior year of college, I uh, bought a prep book, which came with two practice exams and um, really, really dug into that. Took both of the exams. I remember the first one was absolutely terrible. It was kind of like my wake up call to buckle down more and my second exam I do recall vaguely that I passed and it was like it gave me a little more confidence heading into that exam but really when I sat down and took it I had almost zero confidence in how I was going to perform that day which is um, not exactly the theme for later on in uh, you know uh, PT school and and beyond but that day um, I, I remember I got done with the GRE, which it, which I should break it down, it has a verbal component, has a mathematics component, and then it has an essay component. And my essay, you talk about just spewing from the mouth. Um, I felt like when I was done typing it, it was like that scene at the end of <clears throat> Billy Madison where he's giving his uh, oral review of the book from kindergarten, and you know the classic meme now where the principal or super is like, "Yeah, <clears> at <throat> no point did you make anything close to a coherent mm-hmm. thought." <laughs> Yeah, we're all dumber now we're all dumber that's how i felt um and i got done i it gets to the end and 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 in those days so this is 2004 and i i vividly remember it asks you it gives you the option to hit yes or no and if you hit no you don't want to see your results and you're like you don't know how you did and if you hit yes then it's official and you see how you did so i just I really close my eyes and uh, said a prayer and hit yes. And I turned out, it turned out very, very well. And it gives you four schools back then. It would give you four options to send your, um, send your, uh, scores to. So I, I was really invested in, uh, mentally in St. Scholastica, the Duluth plan on going up there. So that was my number one. And then the rest of the three were all like, Places I never ended up even applying to. So, kind of a waste there, as that was like your free ones to send it off to. <clears throat> In the future and subsequent ones, I had to you actually had to pay like I think it $20 for every school to send your scores to. Um, and back then, again, too, so you're talking about 2004, 2005, um, you had to go school by school as you would send it off. And, um, which is no, it's, it's like no easy task financially in those, in those cases. Cause everyone had an admissions fee, um, you know, non-refundable, um, application fee and, um, and then logistically you gotta, you gotta, you know, make sure all of your transcripts are in order, um, every time you send them out. And as I mentioned earlier, i would transferred and i would taken some classes in, um, in high school that qualified so I had to every time I had to find like three transcripts three copies of them and send them off so um, my schools that I ended up applying to uh, I narrowed it down to St. Scholastica um, and then later on the University of South Dakota and the University of Mary and um, I ended up uh, interviewing at all three I was um, accepted at all three at different frames. They were about six months apart, so I would have been different class. Saints class goes the first one I would have been admitted in fall of uh, Fall of 5. And uh, USD and Mary, I took some time off, reapplied. <coughs> Excuse me, I didn't reapply, but that's when I waited to apply. And then um, interviewed and got got accepted into those and selected USD. I ended up being the, the best fit for me. So um, yeah, it was school by school, interview by interview, it was a fun time, exciting time. You know, you have that nervousness uh, of you know you're confident but you're nervous. You feel like you're gonna you're gonna take that next step. It's just another challenge you have to overcome, and then it gives you a handful of decisions to have to make. You know, so it was it was a fun place to be in life, just in general. I, I think it, I think everybody should try to keep their options as open as possible which is which is kind of a nice segue when i have that like then versus now i do think the the evolution adding the pt CAS a few years back was one of the one of the best moves they could have done because again it, it narrows it, it greatly reduces logistical challenges that came with um school by school applications and then on top of it you get um, you get all of your letters of recommendation narrowed down something else i didn't mention but um, I mean, back in those days, I'm sure they saved it, but every time you go and reapply to a new school, um, you need your letters of recommendation, you'd have to have the same professors or the same uh, physical therapists that I that worked under to um, print me out another copy and sign it and, and, you know, put it in an envelope and all those little things, right? Super appreciative of the, the assistance that those guys gave me. I was really blessed to have some awesome mentors who were always happy to write a good letter of rec, but now... Um, now just having that all under one, one, um, assimilated, you know, consistent system at the PT cast, just awesome. I think the kids nowadays have such a great opportunity to, um, throw the line out in the water multiple times, um, in a much easier fashion. So, yeah. And as I mentioned, uh, selected the university of South Dakota as my PT school. And, uh, Away we went. The rest is a story for another podcast.
0: Yeah, yeah I, when I decided to go into PT school, I guess step one was to go back and retake some college courses. Um, not too many, but it was, uh, I think still is today, pretty competitive to get into PT school. You know, they had recommended that your science GPA be pretty close to a four zero. So major all my science classes I had A's in. Um, normal GPA probably wasn't that important, but I think 389 was like the average um, accepted GPA. So tightened everything up a little bit that way. and then, yeah, I had to determine what schools I wanted to go to. same process you did. There wasn't really a central deal at that time either. Um, you know, interestingly enough, even the internet wasn't like that big of a deal. So most of those universities, you'd have to go on to their website and request like a submissions packet, and they'd mail it.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. There there was really (laughs) nothing online. You'd get, you know, the big envelope with all the stuff you'd have to do. And every school was different. Um, Some schools required calculus, so I had to go and take calculus. Some schools required stats, some didn't. At that time, the split was probably 60-40, whether you needed a degree or not um a lot of places were still doing the three and three um that seems to be probably less favorable now than it was then um but yeah then prepping for the gre was an interesting deal you know you get the the book um same as you did i had the practice book took the practice test and it's like yeah you're not very good at english <laughs> okay i guess i'll study to my strengths that was my technique so Mm-hmm. Hammer, hammered through the math and um you know they were like yeah you should probably know like these 10,000 weird words uh,
1: yeah i did,
0: did flashcards for like a week and i was like um, no no it's that's enough for me i uh, took the test you know it was classic testing facility computer testing and i remember they said that the test was adaptive like Uh, If you answer correctly, you'll get harder questions. If you answer incorrectly, you'll get easier questions. And then it'll kind of adjust itself. Mm -hmm. So I remember thinking I was absolutely killing the verbal portion because that thing was impossible. (laughs) It's like every question seemed like it was the hardest question I'd ever been asked in my life. Conversely, on the math thing, I was like, I'm completely failing this. We're down to like two plus two here. Like, that's not good um but it go, just goes to show you you know i got my test results back and uh aced the math section highest score you could get um verbal not so high <laughs> um, but it was it was all sufficient they, they all hit the numbers required for grad school so that was no concern there um got that all sent off and yeah i went with university of north dakota university of Mary out in bismarck um i believe missoula in montana um mm-hmm. had the mm-hmm. program uh, yeah. and then yep. the u of m so th- those were kind of the schools i had picked out i didn't want to go too far i didn't want to spend a ton of money uh und was kind of my number one you go through the interview process i interviewed at und first which is always interesting too because they all have a different interview process uh, at that mm-hmm. time the university of mm-hmm. north dakota sat down uh two professors on one side of a table, me on the other, very informal, just kind of shot the breeze. I think they just wanted to get a feel for your personality. I mean, they know your intelligent yeah. at that point. Right. It was left that feeling pretty good. Right. Rolled in pretty confident. Mary was a little different. You went there and they had mm-hmm. like three banquet tables with like seven people interviewing yeah. you and you're like 20 feet away on this little tiny table and they're just firing questions at you. I'm like, wow, this is quite different. Um, mm-hmm. Got accepted into both of those. I ended up not interviewing at the U or Missoula. Um, they just weren't that high on my list anyways. I felt like my interviews went well um, with Mary and UND. So, yeah, got accepted into both of them. UND was ultimately my number one choice. They had a good reputation in the state. You know, most therapists yeah. in North Dakota were from UND at that time. So, yeah. You know, it was like, yeah, that's probably a pretty good pathway to get a good job. So, went that way, and the the rest is history, I guess. So, it was yeah. it was a fun process trying to figure out what they're going to ask you in those interviews, what they're looking for. Uh, I guess something we didn't talk about too was getting those like observation hours in in preparation yeah. for um, applying too, because. Some colleges want 40 hours, some wanted a hundred, some wanted 120. do um, mm-hmm. you do them all in one place? That's easy, but it doesn't look so good. Um, I did most of mine in orthopedics, outpatient orthopedics. That's just at that time it's easier, you know, to call around places. It's a little harder to call hospitals and get on the acute care floor. You could, just more mm-hmm. phone calls to make. So most of mine was in outpatient orthopedics, um, which turned out well. That's what I do, anyways. So,
1: yeah, yeah, uh, mine was similar.
0: I think I had two hundred hours by the time it was all said and done, just because I did it a few summers. Yep.
1: Yeah. I was in the same boat. That's a good point to bring that up. I, I did. I think I I got like forty to fifty hours in over a Christmas break back in Carrington. So that's more rural general doing some inpatient, a little bit of everything, but the vast majority, I actually got a few hundred in with uh, the guys at Pro Rehab in Fargo. And, and then that turned, that's, I weighed into a nice little BTA uh, job that I did um, leading up to that, which I think uh, would be another recommendation I have to any student listening out there. If you have an opportunity to work part time at a clinic and uh, get, get some interaction with patients going early on and pick, be able to just soak up the therapist around you just super beneficial yeah
0: it makes the interview process much easier when they're asking you questions about things you've seen you know mm-hmm. what's, yeah what's the biggest challenge for therapists you know they ask you that as a student and you've never done therapy and you're like i don't know <laughs> i know in three years dude yeah right <laughs> but student debt that you know, that's always a good answer for them yeah
1: um, being humble, I, I'll share. I also applied to the University of Nebraska Med Center, or, uh, yeah, med school, and down uh, in Omaha, and was fairly excited about that opportunity. I think it was a, a pretty, you know, they were also a uh, school there. You know, Omaha has at the time they had Creighton and the Nebraska Med Center, and um, I was really looking into Nebraska Med. And applied and as you were this all came back to me as you were describing so big would be the packet, because they, they sent the packet. And I got everything sent in, went through the process of having, you know, reaching out to every school and having those transcripts sent down and didn't hear back from them for you know, whatever period of time it was back then, three or four weeks. You know, you know, back in those days you were mailing everything and there was no confirmation. You didn't, you didn't know if they received it or not. Um, I do recall, I, I was always that type of guy who after a few weeks, I'd pick up the phone and dial them up and I dial their admissions office and just verify that they received it. Out. Oh yeah, we did. And we're going to review it at, at X time. And the next thing I heard from them was a letter in the mail, just saying <clears throat> we, uh, it, it had like a checklist, if I recall, it had a checklist of everything that they had wanted you to, to want to give from you. And it was missing one transcript from, uh, Minnesota West, where I I'd started uh, my undergrad. So they were like, unfortunately, your packet was not complete and we cannot um, consider you for the applications process at this time. And I remember being extremely disappointed for about, you know, five minutes and then went right to the computer and pulled up, you know, what I needed for some other schools. And, and yeah, away we went um, to USD. And then Mary, I, I interviewed at those two places. I don't know about your, your experience with UND and then Mary, ex- exactly the same. The way you described it, USD, uh, two guys across the table from me, very laid back. I felt very much at ease. And they were also turned out to be two of the nicest guys, two of the nicest instructors I had the whole time at the university school. So um, it they weren't just like playing a role. And exactly seven days later, I interviewed Mary, uh, where you're part of the whole group they bring in. You know, all the other applicants that day, um, which is just an interesting dynamic to begin with, right? Because you're, everybody's kind of jockeying a little bit. Um, it feels like you can't, you don't get the honest um, interaction with anybody. I feel like you get, you get two subsets. and This is just me. I could be wrong, You correct me. I feel like you got the people who are like, always going to be extremely humble and be like, I, I have no chance of getting in. I don't even know why I'm here. You know You guys are so smart, yada, yada. And then you get the, then you kind of get in predominant, I don't want to, you know, paint with a broad brush, but predominantly male subset. That's kind of like, you know, you're eyeing each other out. It's like, you know, what's your GPA, you know, and yeah, to your,
0: your competition. Of, <clears throat>
1: yeah. Yep. But also kind of fun. I, I just recall wishing I would have known about, I would have, wish I would have known that I was accepted to UST before the Mary one, because it would have been a lot less stressful to be able to go in and have a place in your back pocket already. Um, But, you know, I I think all those things are beneficial in the course of life. Anyways, you, as I mentioned earlier, you got to be able to challenge yourself. And if you're always afraid to take chances or you wait until, you know, you got a backup school or something along those lines, then it's, you're never going to get anywhere. I I heard a Zig Ziglar quote that I'd never heard of before. Somebody's referencing it. I was coming back from the hills this weekend. My brother's bachelor party. Shout out to Deadwood, South Dakota. Um, time. But the Zig Ziglar quote was something like, if you wait for all green lights, you're never going to leave the house. I'm like, okay, all right. I really like that.
0: Yeah, it's, yeah, it's one of those <laughs> things you tell people, like just put yourself out there. I mean, if you don't get accepted... Waste a little bit of your time, but like you said, that's not even wasted time. That's experience. So.
1: Definitely. It's well, it's in how you interpret it. Right. I think if you could, you could view it. If, if you get done with it and you just wallow in self pity because you didn't get in, then yeah, that's, that's rough. You got to pull yourself up. But I think, I think it hope that most people who have that DNA, that wiring that they want to you know go into healthcare, they want to be a physical therapist but they have that type of mentality as well, that type of um, initiative taking and resiliency to be able to bounce back from a setback.
0: Yeah, it's that's my advice to people out there is just put yourself out there. Call mm-hmm. places, get as much observation as you can, apply to schools, interview, just do it all.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, it was hard too. Like, <clears throat> I, I don't know if it's, I, I think COVID's changed a lot, Um, you know, but at the time I remember trying to, if you, you know, again, I was living in Fargo and I was trying to get some observation hours in with like merit care at the time. And they would not take anybody for more than 10 hours at a chunk. And you had to, I don't remember what it was, but I, I, there was some hoops you had to jump through. And while I was waiting to hear back from them, if I could do this, that's when I got a call back from you know the guys at pro rehab they're like yeah absolutely come on just you know bring your notebook and your pen and be respectful uh to our patients and and it was pretty cool great experience
0: yeah i had a pretty poor observation experience as well and maybe that was on me but it was an old dakota clinic back in the day um and yeah you know they say oh yeah come in Like cut your teeth, you know, have you doing laundry and filling ultrasound bottles, and doing chart paperwork, you know, you do that for a few hours and people get comfortable, let you see patients. Like Mm -hmm. I was there for 40 hours and saw two patients and it was just brutal, you know, I literally was just used as an aid um, Mm -hmm. to do the housekeeping. Uh, That was unfortunate, you know. That is. Uh, the one patient I saw was cause the therapist was like a hundred pounds and he was 300 and they needed an extra hand. So it was like, mm. <sighs> so there's
1: it just the, you're just the hired muscle.
0: Yeah. Right. And again, maybe I should have spoke up more, you know, you're a timid kid. Do you just do what they tell you to do? Uh, yeah. There's good observations out there too. I would say that to students, you know, if you don't like your situation, there's good observations out there. Make sure you see patients and get some experience.
1: Yeah, I, I'd agree with you. I'd definitely say that for our, our private practices in Big Stone. We, we definitely encourage that. We like to take them on. Um, as long as we have a decent enough ratio. There were times here in Marshall where we'd have, you know, maybe two actual PT students with us, like first year or third year, uh, maybe a PTA student from Lake area. And then you'd have a couple of like, College guys. Sometimes we'd have a high school kid doing some shadowing, and then it gets to be a little too much of your practice. You know, you're you know, you got too too many students uh, kind of wandering around, and you got to, you got to make sure you have the right patient case too. Because mm-hmm. some you know, to that point on the other side of that table, you know, you can see now where some you know some patients aren't necessarily 100 comfortable um, having another person in the room or having a student observe stuff like that. So.
0: Yeah be understanding of that too yeah i don't know if that was my case but yeah yeah. they just had too many ultrasound bottles to fill man they were flying through that stuff like you wouldn't believe i don't know what they're doing with it but
1: yeah i had some i had some great experience doing lots and lots of laundry but that was after i became that uh (laughs)
0: tech yeah
1: yeah
0: but i suppose it's time to roll into our top five yeah top five all right so this week in
1: honor of the fcs championship game we got nfl playoffs starting the top five what are the top five best football games you've ever watched so again we were texting each other back and forth criteria is important here you have to have watched it live it can't be something like you can't have my, from the NFL Network, like, greatest games of all time thing, and it's, like, the 81 wild card game for the Chargers and Dolphins where Winslow catches, like, all these passes and dehydrates himself. He can't, can't do that, all right? Um, there have to be stakes involved with the game. Can't just be, like, a middle-of-the-season thriller. Um, it's got to matter. It's got to be kind of, like, win or go home. And there's got to be drama um, within the game. So that's the criteria for coming up with this. And I got to say, man, I, I ran this by Ryan Landberg in the clinic yesterday. And I told him I, I initially had 14 um, written down and I had to whittle this down to, to five. So do you want me to go first?
0: Uh, yeah, you can rock out first. Okay,
1: my number five. And I did a little research on. Once I got to my top five, I had to do a little research just so I get the years accurate on this and, and get some scores down. The, <clears throat> oh, I love this game. This was fun. Um, the two thousand three, two thousand four NFC divisional round game between Philadelphia and Green Bay. Philadelphia beats Green Bay twenty to seventeen. Never hurts my feelings to see the Packers lose in the playoffs. Um, Unfortunately, too many times they're making it. The Vikings are sitting at home, which was the case in 3 season, where the Vikings started six and zero and couldn't make the playoffs. But this game's famous. Do you remember this? It's uh, in the in like uh, whatever, less than a minute to go. Phillies faced with a fourth and twenty-six, and Donovan McNabb connects with Freddie Mitchell for a twenty-eight yard uh, first down, and then they go out there and kick the game-winning field goal. So. Uh, just super exciting uh, finale to that game so that's my number five 2000 it would be in January of 04 four NFC divisional round.
0: All right my number five um, questionable the game's awesome there wasn't there was stakes on the line in this game but it happened very early in the season um, but for me this was 2007 um, Michigan versus Appalachian State. I don't know if you remember this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: Biggest upset (laughs) in college football history at the time.
0: Right. Michigan rolls in number five in the country. A lot of people thought they were maybe uh, destined to contend for a title that year. App State was number one in the FCS coming off of back-to-back FCS titles. Um, Historically, at this point, FBS teams were blowing FCS teams just completely out of the water. Um, to the point where there wasn't even a betting line on this game um, because Mm -hmm. they assumed it would be such a blowout. Well, Armani Edwards, quarterback for Appalachian State, was just an absolute FCS stud. Uh, He could run. He could pass. And surprisingly enough, man, Appalachian State just ran over Michigan that first half. Um, I believe they were up at halftime 28-17, right? So, uh, (laughs) I mean, Appalachian State was just pounding the ball. Um, Michigan ends up getting the lead on a 54-yard touchdown with like 436 left to go. Um, Edwards throws a pick in the next play, ensuing drive. Michigan gets the ball again. Um, Attempts a 53-yard field goal, blocked, right? Appalachian State gets the ball, minute 37 left, no timeouts. They drive 69 yards down the field in a minute. Mm -hmm. Kick field goal, 26 seconds left. Michigan gets the ball back. Nice kickoff return, 46-yard pass, 37-yard field goal attempt Was time was expiring and again was blocked for one of the biggest upsets Mm -hmm. in college football.
1: I remember
0: Uh, that. You know, NDSU was just entering the FCS. I think this would have been their third year in the FCS, so I was just kind of getting into the FCS, knowing who these teams were, and I remember watching that game. And just being blown away, like, oh man, this is these are the teams we have to play. <laughs> so that was a Little very cool. Did game. you know? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. You know what? You made a good point though, because when I was saying earlier the stakes back in the day, college football landscape. You're right. You could have a you could have a season fate ceiling game week three uh, mm-hmm. back. Uh, you know, the BCS, BCS was running things, and then even before that, it was even tighter with the voters yeah so many times you know like famously like the i think you know that hurricanes dynasty that they had that three-year run but mm-hmm. the first year they by the end of the season they were you know most people you them hands down as the best team in college football because they they lost their season opener in washington um they were excluded from the title game and all they they won like 11 games in a row 12 games in a row and that was part of that you know 30 some odd total wins but
0: yeah. yeah, it was uh, interesting. So Michigan State goes from five to drops completely out of the poll with that loss. Yeah, first, to- first time a team had ever dropped from, I think, the top ten to out of the poll. Uh, it also yeah. caused them to reevaluate how they could vote, uh, and they decided after this game to allow FCS teams to receive votes as well. So I believe mm. Appalachian State finished that year 34th in the polls or something like that. So there was – repercussions because of that game
1: yeah big game big game
0: and now you see fcs upsets a few times a year it's not as crazy as it used to be yeah definitely um my
1: number four and this is special to me because it was like right when i was really getting into football for uh, the first time the 92 93 so this will be january 93 afc wild card game where um buffalo beats houston 41 to 38 famously coming back from um they were down <clears throat> i looked this up they were down 35 to three in the third quarter like it was it was 28-3 at halftime at home and uh, and you know you think of a halftime rally but uh, i guess they came out in the third quarter and frank reich threw a pick six so Houston just added to their dominance to kick it off, but the Buffalo stormed all the way back. And again, Frank Reich being the backup quarterback led them to this come from behind victory and overtime. Just awesome. I, again, I'm, I'm tuning into these games because I'm so young, but I'm realizing they're important and, and uh, you know, production values have changed immensely on games. Right. But even back then you got the depression as a kid, these, these games are important and, and they matter. So I better pay attention so that I could talk with my buddies about this on Monday when <laughs> I'm in school and couldn't believe what I saw. You know, my mind shifting. We're thinking about talking about Warren Moon and how amazing Warren Moon and the, the Houston Oilers are. And instead, by the end of the game, you're like, oh, my God, Buffalo's amazing And you're so <laughs> impressionable. I would have been like yeah. about 11, 12 years old. And you're just watching that. You're like, this is incredible. Frank Reich's maybe the greatest quarterback of all time. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that didn't so, pan out, but no
1: good coach, though. Yeah, really I, I solid like coach.
0: His, I do like his coaching style. So, yeah, yeah. So
1: that's my number four the uh <clears throat> January '93 EFC wildcard game.
0: All right, my number four 2003 Fiesta Bowl Ohio State versus Miami. Uh, Ooh. it was uh. Man, rolling into that game, I was in high school at the time. Miami was like the coolest team. There was like no team with more swagger than Miami. And they were putting like half their team into the NFL every year. It was unbelievable. I had just been following all year long. Uh, Willis McGahee was just blowing records apart. Yeah. Like the greatest running back of all time. Um, So both teams undefeated rolling into the game. You know, I, I looked it up. I think Miami had 12 players drafted from that team. Um, you know, McGee goes down in the fourth quarter, uh, knee injury. I think it's ACL, PCL. ACL.
1: And,
0: uh, I think there might have been some other ligament damage there. He ends up coming back, having a decent career in the NFL. But, yeah, um, yeah. you know, he didn't have a great game, but it's um, just kind of how the game panned out with double overtime. Um, you know, Miami hits field goal at the end to go into overtime. Um, Miami scores first, right? Like Ohio misses uh, on the fourth down conversion on a pass to the end zone. Fans rush the field because um, they figure out Maya, Miami won, uh, but nobody saw the flag for pass interference. Um, so they have to reset the field, get everybody down. I'm watching this in high school, you know, I'm, cheered for Miami. I'm super angry. Um, Ohio scores, gets the ball back, second overtime scores. Miami just can't get it on fourth down, ends the game. Ohio State wins uh, 31-24. It was just a awesome game. Um, the game itself leading up to that too was like one of those defensive battles where you're like, man, this is a slobber knocker here. So it was a good game. Mm-hmm. I-, I just think the Miami coming in, uh I was, again, impressionable, too. You know, I was cheering for the team just dominating, and now all of a sudden, Ohio State won. My mind was blown. I be, kind of became an underdog guy at that point. Mm, yeah. I was a
1: big – I was a big Hurricanes fan
0: for – I don't even know why.
1: Um, but, <laughs> yeah, that, cool. that role is – as I said, they were the most talented team ever. I still stand by that. The three-year run that they have from, you know, 2001, and then this is – who would have been the end of the O2 season they're yep. talking about. You're right, the McGee injury is brutal. I bet you can still find it on YouTube. Just oh. disgusting, nasty. Yeah. But, but I can he, still he see I think he, in my mind. I think he famously got drafted um three months later. You know, he was doing his rehab and he was um they they just I think the did the
0: Broncos take him, you know. I don't that remember him? who took him? Whether it was the Broncos or the Bills. Um
1: Bills, yeah. maybe, yeah, yeah. He,
0: First first round pick, I believe, with a blown ACL, yep. you know, and you weren't that far removed from an ACL being career ending. You know. Yeah. So that was a big yeah. a big leap to pick him, not knowing what would happen. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You're right. A lot of drama in that game, some questionable calls too. That a lot of questionable uh, calls. Kind of, yeah.
0: Oh, very good. Very so good. That's game. my number four. Yeah.
1: I was similar, really quick, like almost an honorable mention on that, but it would have been like I think it was the 96. Um, 96 Rose Bowl would have been Jake Plummer was playing for Arizona State. Jake and the beat and beat Ohio State. That was that was fun to watch. Um my number three, <clears throat> Super Bowl 51 in uh I think it was January or February, 2015. New England famously comes back, uh, beats Atlanta. They're down 28 to Mm -hmm. three in the um, very end, uh, towards the end of the third quarter, down 28-3 in the Super Bowl. Uh, Touchdown, Tom! Tom, terrific, Mm -hmm. leads them back. Julian Edelman makes that ridiculous, insane catch. You know that they reviewed ad nauseum during the game. Um, very clutch play. I mean, uh, just really, really, really great game to watch. I know uh, New England became very, over the years, they've become very polarizing. Tom Brady's very polarizing. But, but I'm a fan of greatness, too. Um, watching that occur live, where we, we were at, you know, our kids are pretty young. So we were at a Super Bowl party with some friends. And then at halftime, we leave and, and um, I get home. Like oh wow, Atlanta's still holding on. They're really and they're really committed. They're going to win this game, and and we start prepping for the, the week to come, doing dishes, stuff like that. And you look over and you like, oh okay, New England's kind of scratching in there and and making some plays happen. And uh, yeah, push it. I think they took it into overtime, right? And they they won by a touchdown in, in overtime.
0: Yeah, I left at halftime as well and did not watch the rest of that game. Sadly, so i assumed it was over i went to bed
1: yeah it's a spoiler alert too it's my it would be um the only super bowl that i have on here Uh, so it'd obviously be in my opinion like the greatest super bowl game ever played oh well
0: i could uh maybe argue it uh because my number three is a super bowl game as well but not that one take it away 2000, Super Bowl 34, Rams and Titans. Oh, man. I had followed the Rams all season. They were the greatest show on turf for sure. It was my first year playing fantasy football. I had Kurt Warner and Marshall Falk on my team. Uh, Also, the only year I've ever won fantasy football in all these years. So, I watch these guys every week. Uh, (laughs) They were fun. Man, those Rams were just great to watch. Just wide-open receivers all the time. Warner was slinging it. I mean, they could do no wrong. Um, Falk was – you know, he was that kind of – I'm not going to say the same. There was plenty of running backs before him, but that hybrid running back receiver position, he exemplified that. You could feel the game transitioning a little bit because I think he had like 2,400 yards from scrimmage that year, like 1,300 rushing – 1100 yeah. receiving something like that uh, just crazy numbers at that time um some of that stuff still stands i think and then on the other hand you had the titans who were just just became the titans you know it's kind of a team you hadn't really heard much about steve mcnair um eddie george you know he was a running machine as well probably less of a catcher than falk was but he was just that pure smash mouth guy um titans roll in as a wild card make it all the way to the Super Bowl. It was kind of foregone conclusion the Rams were going to dominate. Um, Rams only led nine nothing at half, even though they were outscoring. Uh, if you look at yardage, two hundred ninety four to eighty nine at halftime. Uh, just a defensive battle from the Titans, and we kind of all know how it ends. Uh, the bad guy actually wins this one, right? The the outstretched arm from the Titans one yard line. Dice it right, yeah. <laughs> Just one of the cooler endings to the game. You know, it's just that battle. I think of like Space Jams with Michael Jordan dunks from half court. That's like how I felt his arm was, but he just couldn't make it. You know, it was uh, one of the the few times where the the Cinderella comeback just didn't work. Yeah, that
1: was in my my honorable mentions, definitely.
0: Yeah, it was a a good game game start to finish. I Man, that game was... I mean, the Rams go up 16 nothing in the third quarter, but then the Titans, man, rattle off 16 points themselves. So um, Isaac Bruce, 73-yard touchdown at the end to go ahead. I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot of cool parts of that game. I think That's we're, my number three. You
1: know, that was still in that era, I think, for, for quite a while. It was like, man, there were some – I mean, even the way you described that greatest show on turf, that does you know almost doesn't do it justice. I mean, there were some teams that were so dominant and so favored in these games. Where um, another one that made my honorable mention was uh, would have been about three or four years before that, where uh, Denver upsets Green Bay in the Super Bowl, and there I, I believe uh, Green Bay were fourteen point favorites at a Super Bowl. I mean, you just don't see those type of numbers anymore yeah. because the parity is out there and it's improved the game. I mean, this season's a great example of it, and how no team has really stuck out as a truly dominant force. So, um, but back then to see the Rams even, or uh, excuse me, the Titans even hang with the Rams and get it that close was was just so impressive. And, and yeah, the famous one yard short, which is in reality, it's closer to about three yards short because it's, where his knee was down and stuff. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, all that's that cool, stuff,
1: though. but <clears throat> it did. Yeah. And that's what's famously I think, going for. All right. My number two, <clears throat> the, uh, 2005 FBS Championship, the Rose Bowl, the famous Rose Bowl. um, Texas beats USC 41 38. Superman performance from Vince Young. I was such a big Vince Young fan that, like, going back the year before when they beat Michigan in the Rose Bowl, and and that guy, I just thought he had so much confidence and swagger and could just do everything. Um, And he beats not one, but two Heisman Trophy winners from USC at the same time. I mean, the USC team was very loaded and talented as well. A lot of NFL, not just uh, draftees, but contributors. Um, Matt Lyoner, Reggie Bush, you know, <clears throat> just very, very solid. Um, and the game was so back and forth. That's what I remember loving about it. It wasn't like, and there were there were some points where you thought somebody might start taking the game away, but then the other team would kind of counterpunch. Kind of some would go their way. And... Um, just an awesome, awesome game. Um, in doing my research, I found out also, this is also speaking to the, the era, but it was the final game that the great Keith Jackson ever called as a commentator. And I mean, that adds value to it. I think that I'm, I'm a nerd like that. I think that that has meaning to it, being able to hear his voice and, and call that game. Um, just, just exciting top to bottom. Um, both teams were undefeated i think that was the first time that had happened in under the um that uh, bcs uh system i mean just
0: just an awesome game so that's my number two i can't argue that was also my number two Ooh. um probably the cool part of that game i think was just the buildup all season long i, I don't know if the, i haven't looked this up but i have to imagine it's one of the few times usc was number one all season long texas was number two all season long from start to finish. Like I said, both undefeated. USC, I think had a 34 game win streak going on. Texas had a 19 game win streak going on. So just these huge just forces that you just knew all season long. We're going to meet up. I mean, and again, I said a ton of players, I think 13 people in that game got drafted. So ton Mm. of talent. Uh, It was just cool. game. Definitely. You, you do get that feel a little bit with like 630 left when USC goes up two touchdowns, like, oh man, I don't I don't know if Texas can do it. They haven't been they've been moving, but I don't know if they're moving that fast. You know, Vince Young had an alright game passing, but there's no way he can run as well the way to the end zone twice in six minutes. And he did, dude. Danced into the danced into the corner. That's one of the coolest college plays ever.
1: Oh man, he – that one and the, the one where he's like – I remember it was the Sports Illustrated cover where he was diving into the end zone. Mm. And it just seemed like he was floating on air and like it was like Superman exists or some yeah. type of schlocky title. But So imp- just an amazing performance. I don't remember how much total offense he had in that game. It was 500 yards.
0: I think 470-something. Um, God, it was
1: nuts. Um, Lymus Swede was a great wide receiver for Texas at the time. I mean, very underrated. And you're right. I mean, they 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 didn't have easy runs either. Because I can, I'll just drop two games. But early in the season, Texas had to go to Ohio State and beat a very very good Ohio State football team, and uh, in Columbus. And I believe that. And then that same year, a few weeks later, USC had to beat Notre Dame, and that was the famous Reggie Bush push game,
0: mm.
1: where the final seconds of the fourth he pushes his Leinart into the end zone and everybody argued that it should be illegal, you know, yeah. um, but they, they come back and beat Notre Dame who is very, very solid and in their own right. I actually, if I'm recalling right, I think uh, just the day before, a couple of days before that, um, those two teams, Ohio state beat Notre Dame in the Fiesta bowl. So, I mean, just a really exciting time in college football for
0: me. Yeah. I, I was yeah, loving was, it. That season was awesome. Yeah. yeah.
1: A lot of just superstars like Brady. People forget like, I mean, there's guys who, who dominate now, but the characters, the, the media pub for Vince Young, Matt Liner, Reggie Bush, and no- Notre Dame had Brady Quinn, who was like a supermodel guy, you know? Yeah. And, and
0: You could imagine name, image, likeness stuff now back then. I mean, well, USC would still have, Reggie Bush would still have his Heisman, I guess, if it was legal now. Yeah, but.
1: definitely, right? I mean, these guys would have so much, you know, so many more opportunities for sponsorships and endorsements and stuff. So. Well, <clears throat> that leads me to the number one. Uh, such a homer here, but my number one is, is in fact, the Minnesota Miracle, uh, Minneapolis Miracle, uh, January 14th, coming up on the, the four-year anniversary. Um, just a fan. I mean, f- from being a lifelong fan of, of the Vikings, of the Purple, you know these are the type of games that do not ever historically go our way. Um, you don't have that that famous finale and um, just a roller coaster of a game. I was coaching wrestling that day and recorded. I was, I was out of town with my son, so we were recording the game. And we were actually a little behind on it uh, from live, but I remember we get back and and you know the Vikings dominate that entire first half. Doesn't look like New Orleans even belongs there. Um, things are looking great. Um, second half, you know Sean Payton makes those adjustments. Drew Brees comes alive. They, 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 I view that game as the real emergence of Alvin Kamara. I mean he was coming along that season, but he just it just felt like Kamara was everywhere in that second half. And they storm back. they take the lead and, and you're just thinking it's like the most miserable ending of all time as a Vikings <laughs> fan. Um,
0: been there too many know, times.
1: Totally. And, you know, there's six, still 61 yards out too far for a hail Mary. And I mean, that play, I mean, just, it still gives me some goosebumps to uh, think about it now. And it's one of those moments that you can watch it again and again as a fan. And whether I hear the, whether it's with the Paul Allen radio audio, which is, which is, you know, obviously unbelievable, Yeah. but um one of the times where you know we, we in Minnesota we we don't really like Joe Buck much going back like uh, almost 20 years where he was calling Randy Moss disgusting for fake moving yeah. mo and all that nonsense but um man he has an amazing call in that game too and the way he i think the way he articulates it leading up to that that snap he's just talking about there's 10 seconds left if what is going to be an amazing comeback for New Orleans and just a heartbreaking loss for the Vikings. And then, you know, he's like, Keenum drops back, caught, and he like screams, caught, digs, and then he just stays on his feet, runs the rest in the way. And that, that scene that ensues where they just, they're, they're smart. They cut, away. they don't do like, Aikman doesn't talk, Buck doesn't talk. They just, you can hear the crowd. I mean, yeah. that, that's smart broadcasting. Like you don't need to talk over it or do anything. Just just experience the moment, and share that on the screen, and um, wish to God I could have been there in person. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's my number one.
0: Yeah, my number one. I'm going to go the Homer route as well. Um, probably could have put five games from NDSU on here, but I'm sure everybody's chomping at the bit to know what my favorite NDSU game is, and it would be. The 2015 championship game from the 2014 season, NDSU, Illinois state. Uh, I was, I was at this game. Uh, the season was wild. NDSU was supposed to be rebuilding. Um, they had come off of an undefeated season. No more Brock Jensen, Carson Wentz rolls in, um, beats Iowa state to start the season. You think you got, Hey, maybe this guy's got it. Uh, lose to Northern Iowa mid-season to end like a 38-39 game win streak. You got to question it. They rolled into the playoffs. First game of the playoffs was against South Dakota State. They barely squeaked out of that one. Um, classic Jacks. They let the game go. Uh, NDSU rolls through their next two games. NDSU was ranked two. Illinois State was ranked five. They didn't play each other in the regular season, so they were co-champs of the Valley. Um Illinois state had to beat the number four and the number one on the way to win the game. Uh, that day in Texas, it was like 35. <laughs> I remember that cause we had to go to Walmart in the morning and pick up hats and gloves. Uh, the game was awesome back and forth, back and forth. Um, nobody stood out clear winner. I'm in the end zone. Um, when Trey Roberson hits that, I don't know what it is 60 yard run for a touchdown with like a minute 38 to go in the game, just absolutely heartbreaking. Cause he's running at me, you know, he's runs into the end zone. I'm looking at celebrates. You think it's over. Carson Wentz gets the ball rolls down the field with a, in a minute runs in touchdown 30 some odd seconds left. Um, it was just awesome. Some crazy passes. to RJ Erzendowski that probably questionable passive offensive pass interference calls, but <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Illinois State gets the ball back. Uh, Guy throws a pick right at the end there. Um, To Esley Thornton, who would have been a quarterback for NDSU, but Carson Wentz was so good, they moved him to linebacker. So, you know, interesting Mm -hmm. guy. Stuck with the team, didn't leave after he lost his QB job. Ends up being a quarterback that seals the interception to win the championship. So, cool story. I think just a lot of cool playoff games for NDSU. That one just sticks out. Yeah, I, <clears throat> now that you're saying that, when I'm kind of kicking myself for not adding that one in there. Yeah, that was a that was a blast of all the championship games. I think that uh, the first one was the funnest for me. Just rushing the field for the first time was cool, but this one was like the best as far as entertainment value goes.
1: Yeah, they were. It's one of the only. I think they only had like two really competitive ones. Um, you know, this one, and then a few. You know, a couple years later, they beat james madison
0: yeah james madison both of them were pretty competitive um but yeah very but yeah yeah. this game and i i could have split on the james Madison interception at the end in the end zone that was pretty solid too but like i said i didn't want to do five ndsu games
1: the issue i have with a james madison one is like if you're just a casual fan you're not a bison fan that's like the game's a brutal one to watch (laughs) excellent game plan by you know climbing but just just i mean they, they ground the game down they, they were smart you know they kept the ball out of madison's hands and things went their way but yeah um you're right though the illinois state one much much more exciting a lot more back and forth to it
0: yeah yeah there were some good players on that team uh o'shaughnessy the tight end for illinois state you know he's playing in the nfl now mm-hmm. You know, its you mm-hmm. it's got a few guys, obviously from that team, playing in the NFL. So there was, there was some talent out there. It was fun. There was guys playing hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That well, yeah, who's <clears throat> better caller? Yeah,
1: awesome list, man. I like that. I like that we're not all on the same page and not just like a bunch of jockeying back and forth. <laughs> so um, yeah, we only had like we only, only had one overlap. One, one overlap. So. Awesome. Well, till we meet again next week, our key topic, I believe will be, we're going to stay in the same theme, but what was our prep through the end of grad school, getting ready to pass our board of licensure to become a uh, real deal working physical therapist?
0: Just the, the stepping stones to get uh, where you sit in front of a computer with a microphone.
1: Yeah, everything it took to get here
0: to this moment <laughs> <laughs> all right well until next time